0: about joy. Uh, One of the most joyful times in life is is the birth of a child, and Christmas comes down to the birth of Jesus, the birth of a child. You you know, when when a child is is born prior to a child being born, there's all kind of plans that get made, all kind of details that you try to take care of, especially if it's your very first one, right? You have like 20 baby showers, and you you scan all the gifts that you think you need, and whatever the people have told you that you need, and all the things that look really cool would be great to have. Um, and and then your friend, the people who love you, they they go out and get all those things, and and then you gotta have a whole room to put all those things. So you renovate a room of the house, and you call it the nursery, and you you paint it, and you put a baby bed and a diaper genie and a video monitor and a baby jogger and like a hundred other things. I'm not sure how people had kids 50 years ago when they didn't have all the cool stuff that we have. There's all of this planning and details and things that you want leading up to the birth of a child, and then as the due date gets closer, then there's more planning that goes on, right? You, you got to pack a bag. Like Mom's got to pack a bag. So that when it's time, she can just grab the bag and jump in the car and go to the hospital. And Dad's got to pack a bag, which his bag's not nearly as important as mom's bag. But you got to have a bag so that you're ready to go and you know where you're going. Everything gets planned out. We're even at the point where for a lot of people, they plan the day, right? Like they know ahead of time. This is that we're going to induce on this day. right? We're going to have a C-section on this Day and I I know you ladies appreciate me talking about all of these terms. Like I, I actually know what that's like. Uh, Granted, you you had the hard job here, but I mean I know the language. I I know that where where we are today is you you can plan a specific date. My baby sister is having her second son tomorrow. We already know it. Six o'clock. She's going to be at the hospital. Uh, they're going to induce, she's got her backpack, my, my brother-in-law's got his backpack, my girls have their bags packed so that we can just like take off and run when the baby comes. Uh, they already picked out a name, right? They've already taken care of that detail, actually he's going to be named after me and so he's going to be an above average kid already, we already know that. So all, you know, all, the, all of those little details that you take care of before the day gets here. Um, It wasn't that long ago that our first child was born, and uh, remember uh, that process, we we were living in uh, northeast Florida at the time, about 30, 40 minutes away from Jacksonville, and that's where she was going to be born, Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville, and it's our first time, right? So we've been told what to expect, we don't really know what to expect, and so we know that we're 40 minutes away from the hospital, And, and so... Julie decides, all right, it's time. We got to go. It's time. So we grab our bags, jump in the car, drive to Jacksonville. We get to the hospital. Nurse takes a look at her and, and smiles and kind of pats us on the head and said, no, it's not time. Y'all, y'all go. So we drive back home. We do this like three times, <laughs> back and forth. And, and fi- I think just out of pity, they finally said, okay, okay you can stay. It's like you've used the whole tank of gas. We'll just let you stay, and sure enough, that was early in the morning, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. Callie did not want to come into the world, and finally, late in the afternoon, Callie arrived. So we've got all of this in our mind When number two comes along 15 months later, 15 and a half months later, it's time for number two. We're living here at the time, but she's going to be born at the Cab Medical, you know, 25, 30 minutes away. But we're thinking, we're not driving back and forth. It's like, we've spent enough on gas with the first one. We're going to make sure. So we're going to wait it out. We're going to breathe. We're going to coach it up. And we're just going to hang in there. And Lily was almost born on (laughs) I-285. I I mean, there was a very real chance. We get into the hospital. We see the nurse. I'll never forget. The nurse checks Julie, and her eyes get about this big around. And she starts scrambling and writing things down. And, of course, Julie's first question, uh, which would have been my first question, is when am I going to get some drugs, <laughs> right? When is that process going to start? And the nurse says very calmly, just very professionally, Um, she she says, we got to wait for the blood work to come back. And about the third time Julie asked for drugs and got told that the blood work had to come back, I realized what was going on. (laughs) But I wasn't going to tell her. (laughs) So sure enough, we get in the room, and she's in the bed, and we're just waiting on the doctor to fly in, and she asked one more time where her drugs were. And then I remember she turned to me and she said, I'm not getting any drugs, am I? <laughs> I said, no, baby. I I don't think you're getting any drugs. Don't hit me. <laughs> and Lily, pff, she was here. And some of you know Lily. That's the way she lives her whole life. Like pff, ninety to nothing. Um, you make all these plans. You you get ready. You you anticipate. You 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 find a name. I mean. I mean Childbirth today is kind of a planned out deal in a lot of ways. Now, childbirth itself, obviously, biologically, it was the same thing 2,000 years ago, but the first Christmas, the birth of the child at Christmas was... It's not the way it was planned out to be. I'm sure Mary and Joseph had a plan when she gets pregnant. When they start thinking... About what's to come. I'm sure in their mind they kind of had it figured out. This is what's going to happen. But their plans didn't matter on the first Christmas. Because circumstances changed. And direction changed. And details changed. As a matter of fact. If, if you and I created a story about God sending His Son to earth. We would not create this story. We would never have dreamed this story up. And yet God sends Jesus into the world in an incredibly unexpected way. This is how Luke writes about it in the New Testament. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Maybe you took those classes before childbirth. You know, part of those classes was helping you know what to expect, right? And, and a lot of times you get a little tour uh, of Uh, the birthing wing, and this is where your room's going to look like. If you didn't get a tour, you at least knew where the hospital was, right? Like all three of my kids, I knew well in advance where they were going to be born. That was not possible for Mary and Joseph. When it was time for her to give birth, they didn't get to pick a place or a hospital or a house, or room, or even a city, all of their plans got changed. They call it nesting, right? right at the end, supposedly. Moms are getting the house ready and everything in place so that when they come back, everything's the way it's supposed to be. It's like this comfortable, familiar environment. We're going to resettle in. There was nothing familiar at all about the first days of the life of, of Jesus. At, at, at nine months... Mary and Joseph have to make a trip from their hometown, about 80 miles, to a place called Bethlehem because there was going to be a census. Everybody had to be counted, and that's where Joseph's family was from, and so they were going to have to make this 80-mile track. Now, a lot of people think that Mary didn't have to go, that it would have been just fine had Joseph represented the family, had gone and been counted, but for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't tell us why, she chooses to go With Joseph, maybe it's because she just wants him there for that moment. Maybe she realizes Joseph is the only one that really understands what's going on. Because the angel appeared to Mary. The angel appeared to Joseph. The angel didn't appear to everybody's friends. The angel didn't appear to all of their relatives. The angel came to Mary and Joseph and gave them a very clear message about who this child was And what he was to be named, and maybe for Mary, she knew nobody else understands this except Joseph and I. No one else understands what's about to happen. I want to be with him wherever he has to go. Maybe, we don't know, but maybe the talk in their hometown because of her pregnancy, had just reached a point where she just didn't want to stay behind. The Bible doesn't tell us practically what moved Mary and Joseph together to Bethlehem. We know there was a census, and Mary decides to make this 80-mile trek when she's nine months pregnant. And then the story goes on. It gets crazier. In verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. Very little detail. We kind of create some backstory and some characters in in our Christmas programs a lot of times, in our kids' Christmas programs. But really, the Bible's got very little detail. It just says they didn't have a room. They didn't have anywhere to spend the night, and so they end up surrounded by animals and Some traditions say it was a stable, and some traditions say it was a cave, and some traditions say it was the first floor of a house where they would bring the animals when it was really cold. Uh, At night, we don't know exactly what it was. What we know is that Joseph didn't use Travelocity, right? He didn't like secure... He he didn't confirm his registration with a credit card. He didn't buy registration insurance. And they get to town and there is no place for them to stay. There's no place for her to have her child. And let's be honest, guys. This is kind of off topic, but a lot of reasons we respect Mary... But as guys, we kind of respect the fact that the Bible doesn't record her giving Joseph a hard time about this, right? Like, like the, nowhere in the Bible does Mary say, I told you to call five times yesterday. If you had just driven the camel faster, we would have beat some of the. If you had stopped for directions in Samaria, we would not have lost time. Nothing. We love Mary end up in Bethlehem. There's no room, There's no place to give birth to their first child. Look, it's nice when Christmas works out, isn't it? It's nice when all the plans come together, because we, we all have this vision of what Christmas is going to be. For ourselves, for our families, for our extended families. The holidays leading up, December 25th, we're all going to get together. And we have this picture. This is the way it's going to be. Everybody's going to get along and everybody's going to be happy. And this is, the meal's going to be this. It's wonderful when Christmas goes according to plan and turns out merry and bright. But let's be honest. Christmas doesn't always do that. Sometimes we go with plan B at Christmas. The great thing about the story is that the very first Christmas was plan B. It wasn't what they expected. It's not what they planned. It didn't go according to details. It was different. As I said, it's not a setting that any of us would have planned for the coming of God. For one reason, we know. We know that you put priceless things in priceless places. You put expensive things in expensive places. You protect things that are valuable. Anybody using the good china this Christmas? Where's the good china been all year? When we've been eating on paper plates, right? The good china's been in the cabinet. It's been locked up. Why? Because it's valuable. It's expensive. We don't want to chip it. We don't want to mess it up. We don't want to drop it and break it. It's expensive. We reserve it. We protect it. Ladies have jewelry boxes, right? We want to protect things that are valuable to us. We we have protective cases for our iPhones and our, our tablets and our laptops. We tell our kids, take care of your things. We're going to give you this expensive gift. It's your job to take care of it. Because we know instinctively that if something is valuable, you protect it. You put valuable things in a valuable place so that nothing will happen to it. And yet, we read the first Christmas story. And God sends His one and only Son, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, into this world. There's only one person that can save the world. It's this child And there are no guards, and there is no palace, and there is no safe place. And he's not surrounded by an entourage. He's not quarantined from the world. As a matter of fact, he's placed into the messiest, smelliest, most broken place he could come into. Not just the stable. All of that region was broken. And the Savior of the world, the only begotten Son of God, steps into the world not in a palace, but in a smelly stable full of dirt and brokenness. And the message is clear. The message is clear that Jesus comes into the world not to protect himself from the world. Jesus comes into the world not to separate himself from the world. Jesus comes into the world to touch the world. And to touch the world at its most broken. To touch the world at its most unclean. To be a Savior who is not distant, but a Savior who is close. Daryl Bach, in his commentary, writes, "...Jesus, therefore, enters the world in as mundane a way as possible." His first hours of human existence are spent in a manger. The agent of God lives without pretense. No protecting. No shielding. I'm stepping into your world and all of its brokenness and all of its mess. It's great when plans work out. But Jesus came to be the Savior Not just when our plans work out. Jesus came to be our Savior and our God and our Messiah when nothing goes according to plan. When everything we thought would happen fails to happen, Jesus still comes. Jesus is still Messiah. And what Mary and Joseph probably didn't understand because you and I most of the time don't understand is that what happened that first Christmas was God's plan. It wasn't their plan. It wasn't the way they thought it would be. It was exactly the way God wanted it to be. We read from Matthew last week, and he likes to use this phrase, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. All this took place exactly the way God wanted it to take place. Mary and Joseph end up in Bethlehem because long ago God had said the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. So you don't understand what's going on. I know you can't connect A, B, and C, but I'm moving you down here because this is my plan. Not your plan, but it's my plan. When Joseph has to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt to protect them from Herod who's trying to kill all of the infants, again Matthew says, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet." Yeah, this was God's plan. Yeah, this is God's plan. doesn't make sense to you. This is God's plan. Joseph brings everybody back, Mary and Jesus back to Nazareth. Again, Matthew uses a similar phrase. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is according to God's plan. Not your plan. Not the plan that you thought about. God's plan. And in our lives, Christmas doesn't always go according to plan. Life doesn't always go according to plan. But think about this. What if your plan B was God's plan A? What if that moment when your life diverged this way and it was not what you thought? Because in your mind, you're thinking, God, this is not what I planned. This is not where I expected to be. This is not what I thought my career would be doing. This is not where I thought our relationship would be. This is not how I saw this happening. And what if the very things that you don't see and the very things that you and I don't understand are God's? Even though Bethlehem is a long way from Nazareth, Bethlehem was the plan. And maybe your plan B was God's plan A. Or maybe your plan C and D and E and F got you. To the plan that God has been building in your life. Here's Mary and Joseph. It's not their plan. It's not their details. It's not their circumstances. But two people committed to trusting God in spite of their plans. You see, in those moments, you and I have a choice. We can decide to get angry with God. Or anxious. Or worried. Or we can take control Or we can say, honestly, God, this isn't my plan, but I trust your plan. This is not the way I saw it happening. This is not where I thought I would be, but I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to follow your plan. You're welcome to let me in on your plan. Ever prayed that prayer? God, you can let me know what's going on at any time because I have no idea what's going on. You're welcome to let me know, but until you do, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. And maybe one day it all gets clear. Maybe one day I see everything. But even if I don't, I'm going to continue to follow you. No doubt. For some of us, Christmas 2015 is a plan B Christmas. We already know. We already know things aren't going to be exactly the way we wanted. The relationships aren't going to be exactly the way that we want them. And for others of us, it's a plan A Christmas right now, but it's early. <laughs> it's a long time to December. And it could get to B and C and D before we get to December 25th. Some of us know this is a plan B Christmas. This is, this is not exactly the way I thought it would be. We're, we're, we're talking about this idea of first Christmas. And so let's be honest. For some of us, this is the first Christmas without somebody we. Love and care about. This is the first Christmas there'll be an empty chair and an empty place, <coughs> an empty stocking. It's the first Christmas after a divorce, a first Christmas after a relational strain with a child. This is the first Christmas since you lost your job, first Christmas that you've been in this particular financial situation for some of us. It's that kind of first Christmas. And I don't know everybody's circumstances. I don't know everybody's experiences. And even if I did, I don't have the answer for all of your circumstances. But I know two things to be true. I know that God is still working out His plan even when my plan's not working out. I know that God is still working out His plan, even when my plans aren't working out the way I thought they were going to. Even when I look around and I go, I don't understand, I don't know why, I I can't explain, I still know there's a God behind it all. Mary and Joseph probably couldn't explain a manger. Couldn't explain why there was no room in the inn, but behind that story... There was a sovereign, good, wise God that even though they were on plan B, was still working out His plan that we would be talking about 2,000 years later. And it's true in your life. Whatever that plan is that may or may not be working right now, there's a sovereign God behind it. We like to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We love that. It's filled with so much encouragement, and like future and hope and yay. And We give it to graduates and say, look, God's got your future plan. He's got a hope for you. What we often miss is God made this statement during the worst season of Israel's history. Israel has been taken captive by the Babylonians. Their homeland's been destroyed. Their houses have been destroyed. Their walls have been destroyed. Everything that they expected to be happening wasn't happening, and they're carried away to a foreign land. And God says in that situation, oh, my plan's still moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm still working my plan. When our plans aren't working out, God's still working out His plan. And you and I have to decide, not just once, but all throughout our life, as we enter into these seasons of that's not the way I planned it, all throughout our life we have to decide, God, am I going to trust your plan or does it have to be my plan? God, can I trust that you are sovereign? Can I trust that you're leading? Can I trust that you're behind what I don't see and follow you? Here's the other thing I know. I know that Christ is still present when our plans don't work out. Not only is God working his plan, but the Son of God is still with us when our plans don't work out. In Bethlehem instead of Nazareth, in a manger instead of their home, Mary and Joseph met Christ. As a matter of fact, the first two humans to ever lay eyes on the Son of God met Him in the most unexpected place. It wasn't where they thought they would be at that moment, and yet Jesus was there, looking them in the eye. It's one of the great themes of the Bible. Jesus meets people in unexpected places. Jesus meets a woman at a well. He meets Saul on the road to Damascus. Jesus meets his disciples in a fishing boat. He meets lepers and blind people and adulterers and prostitutes. He just shows up. Jesus encounters people in the most unexpected places and if we're open to him, If we'll give Him room, regardless of what this Christmas looks like for us, Jesus will meet us there too. It may be a different plan. It may be a different direction. But it's the same Jesus. Wherever you are, just open your heart to Him. Make room for Him this Christmas. Let's pray. God, we come to you this Christmas. And some of us, life's trucking right along. Christmas is going right as we planned. And for others... It's a plan we weren't expecting this season. There's circumstances that we didn't anticipate. And what we can know is that even when our plans aren't working out, you're still working out your plan. And you can be trusted. For you are loving and good and sovereign Help us, God, not to be so demanding of our plan and our way and our rights that we can't open our hands and say, God, I'm going to receive your plan this Christmas. I'm going to listen for what you're trying to do. I'm going to be with you and your son this Christmas. And I pray where there are hurts or sorrows, where there are griefs this Christmas, that you would come into that. Your grace would fill those places. And though we may be a long way from where we expect it to be, you have not forgotten us. You have not lost us. I want to give you just a moment to... To talk to God. Especially if you're here this Christmas and it's not going according to plan. Just a moment to get it off your chest. Maybe to say, God, I'm going to trust your plans. I'm going to trust your plans for my my family, my future, my life, my Christmas. I'm going to trust your plans because I believe you're good. Just say that to him. And God, we receive your plans for our lives. Help us to live in obedience even when we don't understand to walk in faith even when the path is not clear. You are a light. You are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.